Hey everybody, welcome to the Limit Up Podcast presented by Top Step. I'm Jack. Dan will be here shortly after the intro from our pre-recorded live YouTube escapades. Happy St. Patrick's Day. This is actually the morning after, but it's St. Patrick's Day now when I'm recording. So happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Hopefully you're having a good morning and didn't partake in the uh, Jameson perhaps too hard last night. But if you are, hope you feel better soon. Today we're talking about rising rates and what the trade in that environment. It's a complicated question, but it needs to be addressed after the Fed raised rates for the first time in a couple years on Wednesday. Just a quarter point, but it's the beginning of a possible 11 moves that Goldman Sachs thinks they'll be making. And that's going to affect the way the markets move. And you as a trader are clearly interested in that. So without further ado, here we go. Good afternoon, friends and traders. Welcome to Limit Up Podcast. I'm Dan Hodgman, sitting down with Jack Belzer. Jack, how are you? I'm doing well. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Dan. I was going to bust Saint- out the uh, Guinness for this, but I figure I'm going to wait until at least 5 or 6 o'clock. I put on a green sweatshirt. It's just not showing well, but I swear it is green. I am Irish. Um, I wanted to point that out. I, I swear I put on green for St. Patrick's Day. It just doesn't come out on camera like it's green. Yeah, I forgot about it. I have a green shirt on, but that's completely by accident. I didn't realize it was St. Patrick's Day until about noon. But nevertheless, I too am Irish, so it's a good day just to bask in that minimal. I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of bummed about it. Annually, we all go to my parents' house for St. Patrick's Day. Um, my grandma's straight, o- straight over from Ireland, and so my mom's got her recipe for, uh, for corned beef and cabbage. They're out of town this week. I'm really disappointed that like we're, the whole family's not going over for green beer, corned beef, and cabbage, but uh, we're going to survive, I guess. Yeah, well, my wife, who uh, spent six and a half years in Dublin, is ordering Irish takeout tonight, so we'll have that. <laughs> be good. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Well, let's talk these markets real quick. Kind of do a rundown. I'm going to talk about crude oil last as opposed to first. We're going reverse order. Equity or uh, Treasury is really relatively quiet after the number yesterday. Uh, today was really a, a quality inside day. We saw uh, the market kind of established a high in the overnight session. We opened up this morning. We rallied right up to that high and uh, closed the gap down to settlement price. So when we talk about looking for that close in the gap to settles, that's really what, what you want to look for. You want to watch that market start to approach a key level away from uh, settlement price look for a reaction at that price and then you can take that move to the downside uh euro pretty quiet there gold though got a nice little lift yesterday on uh, fed raising rates continued with that trend all last night this morning uh, we started higher uh, gave up a little bit but still in a nice channel to the upside equities though pretty quiet here kind of jack kind of quite the reaction yesterday um i know f- Everyone kind of factored in rates are getting raised, and we've seen a down market in these equities for the last couple of weeks. Uh, but we got a nice pop after it kind of reacted, sold off. We pulled down to settles yesterday, a nice bounce there. And then today we're seeing a little bit of a, a light uptick. Yeah, and I think we'll get into that move later because today our topic du jour is talking about trading in a rising rate environment. And specifically, we'll talk about the Fed yesterday. We always say with something like the Fed, you got to do what the market is showing you, not what you're basing your armchair quarterbacking on the reaction to some news event. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to break that yesterday and buy that dip because I did not understand why it was dipping. And we'll get to that later, but continue your rundown. 
right, the last one. It's been the hot topic for the last few weeks, uh, maybe even the last month or so. Crude oil kind of took that big run last week. We saw $130. Then we saw a little bit of a sell-off. We're getting optimistic about that, myself included. I like seeing yesterday settle below $100 for the first time in a, in a few days. Um, well, that market now back well over $100, $103 a barrel. Um, so we're seeing about an 8 9% move to the upside in that market. Um, I don't think... I, th- I don't think it's anything to say, hey, the the rally's back on, the rip to the upside's going to continue. Got to keep in mind what uh, the ATR's doing, right? What's that true range of these markets? This range, these markets have been ranging pretty heavily in the crude oil. Um, and we're going to see this for quite some time. Still uncertainty out there. Uh, I'm hopeful <laughs> that it comes down. But, uh, you know, we're just going to trade with the markets given us. Nice. Well, it's good to see uh, the oil report back at the top of everyone's mind. Uh, that's not a market that I've been following until the last couple of weeks, but it's back above 100 today. These ranges are insane, by the way. You know, I see it's up eight dollars and thirty-two cents today. That is a mm-hmm. that is a large move, considering you know it was what at forty-five, fifty, fifty-five, sixty dollars a barrel not too long ago. So I, it's funny, Jack. I was actually looking at some of like my past stuff on Instagram, and I saw like an old story I posted two years ago. Um, exactly two years ago i paid 99 cents a gallon for gas and uh when i fill up tomorrow um I'm, i have to fill up i'm going to be paying probably about four bucks here in wisconsin a little bit cheaper than illinois well i guess that's what you got to do to drive that big old truck dan <laughs> right <laughs> the price i pay yeah so uh before we get started with the fed stuff just want to remind everyone we're doing you can fill out a bracket through friday can't fill out any more brackets for march madness which i have a vicarious tv on in the background here i didn't watch too much basketball this season well it's too late to fill out your bracket for that but we're doing top step market mania right now where we kind of do a bracket that according to our legal department has nothing to do with march madness you just pick the futures (laughs) products that will win each day winning defined by doing better than the other product so have till friday to do that um with that plug out of the way the fed yesterday i'll start by talking about what they did and through the lens of equities to start so the fed raised the discount rate by a quarter percent yesterday people have been expecting the fed to raise to fight the inflation for quite some time and it was a hundred percent certain basically that they were going to raise by a quarter the only question was would they raise by a quarter or a half and how much dissent there would be to the decision on either of them okay i'm setting the table here dan of why i was very confused Get the by forks and knives out yeah we've talked in the past I, this is anecdotal i haven't gone back and broken down the data but it seems like the original rip move after the fed is always wrong i don't know maybe i just remember those more than anything else but i feel like it always rips one way and then comes back and more the other way so the odds of them raising by a quarter which they did were baked in 100 percent. they were going to do that right there was the outlier case was that they're really spooked by inflation and they were going to raise by a half and that would have just because all the markets about expectations that would have tanked um stocks right it'd be unexpected or that it'd be a quarter with significant defense um dissent now what ended up happening was they raised a quarter and only one uh board member dissented bullard did and he dissented because he wanted to do a half that was his opinion 
as far as I can tell, I think that's what created that initial move that there was a dissent. But at the end of the day, it was still just a quarter point. And given that the market was up, you know, 400, I'm thinking NASDAQ right now, just because I remember that number was up like 400 points going into that number or thereabouts. And I think ripped all the way back to close to break even. And then I think people started realizing it was just a quarter point. That's what we expected. Shouldn't change too much. And then it came roaring back. Now comes the fun part where Goldman Sachs, for instance, is expecting, I think, 11 more raises uh, between now and the middle of 2023, including a quarter point at each of the next six meetings that they have this year, the final six meetings. So I'll stop talking for a second, Dan, and let you give any thoughts, and then we'll dig into this a little more and how you can trade it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, just kind of what Jack's talking about here. It was 100%. Everyone knew this was going to happen. Whether ever anyone wanted to say ahead of time, I guarantee this will happen. You know, they're going to play the odds, you know. It's like making a pick. But we all knew this was going to happen. The markets knew this was going to happen. So when you see that initial sell-off coming in, that's where you have to kind of lick your chops a little bit and get kind of excited for a good opportunity. It's not to take that short. It's wait for this market to start to react because – News is always baked in ahead of time, right? We saw it with equities prior to Russia going into Ukraine. That started to bake in. Obviously, it spilled over and kind of continued into that downside move. Uh, you started seeing an oil creep higher. So a lot of this news gets baked in. And I believe most of the time when you see that initial reaction, that's the emotion of uh, small time frame traders, not the big institutions. Those are the ones that are sitting there freaking out, thinking, okay, I got to get out, get out, get out, get out of my trade because this thing's going to tank. Because fundamentally, it tells us that if rates go higher, look for stocks to break down because it leads to potential other other concerns down the road. Well, that's all been factored in. The big institutional people knew that that was going to be the case. And therefore, you as a trader really need to recognize this when the Fed comes out to speak. Understand, do your research and do your study. If you don't have an understanding of where that, what they're going to do, sit on your hands for the day, step away. Um, but if you believe and you understand what's happening, and like a lot of people, you knew that a quarter basis point was or a quarter point was coming in. That's a great chance for you to wait. And I've always said to everyone I've talked to about trading around numbers, I. I will admit, I love trading numbers because it presents opportunity, but there's going to be two moves that happen with every number. And I can tell you over my, gosh, I'm going on a 15 years or so in trading, anytime a number comes out, there's an initial emotional reaction, right? There's emotional reaction that comes into play. And then there's the reaction to the emotion, which is well thought out and a methodical move. And a lot of times, I would say a majority of the times over my career, I've noticed that that reaction to the emotion is when the market starts to creep higher. Yeah. And you're also dealing with the whole, you mentioned a little bit, just like giant players on some of these initial moves on it. Uh, people's goals in the market are never necessarily aligned like we all want to make money but that might not be the purpose of why someone's doing it now they're not trying to lose money but they might be trying to hedge something and when you get into these interest rate moves that affect things like mortgage uh dealers and banks and stuff like that they have stuff that they just need to do and get hedged based on whatever the 
interest rates at. And those are gonna be moves that you might not be able to make sense of. So that's why, like Dan said, I like to trade around numbers as much as I can, but the Fed was always the one that I would wait to let things shake out a little bit before I dove in there whole hog. Now, the future is always what the issue is, okay? So as I mentioned, the next six meetings we're looking at, ideally, according to the Fed, a quarter point each time. Now remember, we're going from like zero interest rates. Interest rates are a good thing. We need them, right? Everyone is just yammering all the time. We need to cut the interest rate, cut the interest rate. We're at zero, man. Like, we only raised it to the interest rates are still incredibly low, right? They raised it. The Fed funds rate is between 0.25 and 0.5%. And even if we do 11 raises, we're only going to be somewhere in the twos, okay? And even 2 to 3%, not a really high interest rate. Back when we were really fighting inflation and things like that in the early 80s, Fed fund rates was 15, 18%, something like that. It's funny you mentioned that. I was When I was talking to my dad about this last night, he's uh, got a little history when it comes to trading uh, interest rates. Um, he, I asked him and he goes, I go, what do you think? What are your thoughts? And he goes, well, I remember when I bought my first house, my interest rate was like 22%. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I... You know, no matter what we say about what's going on, it's a heck of a lot better to borrow money now than it was, you know, 40 years ago when he was buying his first house. Yeah. There's a give and take to everything. You know, uh, people always, possibly because there's just like a real estate industrial complex, real estate media industrial complex too in the United States where everyone's always talking about, is this the right time to refinance? Is this the right time to buy a house? Is the right time to sell your house? There's a million articles written about that. I think the dirty truth is that it's just a give and take. There's no free lunch. As interest rates rise, the price of real estate goes down. And it's kind of, uh, that's just the way it works. If, if interest rates go down, you get a cheaper mortgage, but you pay more for the property. You know, mm-hmm. so there's no... F- and you're And people are always in that pickle. I'm in the same boat right now. Like I can sell my house. I can do pretty well on my house. Um, interest rates are still low enough that I could borrow pretty well. But the next thing I do, I'm paying up for the next house. Um, and it, it's, it's always a give and take. You know, it's never a perfect situation. The, you know, the stars are never going to align where you got low prices and low interest rates and easy to borrow. And, you know, you know, you can sell your house at a premium. It just doesn't work like that. So there's always a give and take. Jack, I got a question for you. Shoot. You're you're the in-house economist. I mean, I'm not saying you're an economist, but you're the you're the closest one here. I would look to uh, a top step to talk um, this type of stuff. We have inflation that's high. Yeah, we all are in agreement that raising interest rates is going to help the inflation numbers. If they continue to raise these rates, Jack, what's going to happen? Is there potential for expedited expedition or ex, expedited recession? Like, are we going to lean towards that because it's going to get more and more expensive to borrow money um, and we're going to cut this inflation because people are, or inflation is going to continue to rise because people aren't spending money? What's going to happen there? So the big yawning chasm in between like reality and what we have now and sort of the, the, the million dollar question, but really like the multi-trillion dollar question is that, okay, right now we have this inflation. The CPI came out at 7.9. Now, 
I'm not trying to suggest that like a transitory thing. I'm saying that there is cognitive dissonance going on because as of today, the rate on a 10 year treasury, the yield is 2.1%. Bonds, as we've discussed before, are smart money, meaning they're mostly it's institutional. It's people. And, you know, sometimes the people that know F up, you know, we've seen that many a time, haven't we? But right now, you have a situation where the CPI is 7.9% annualized and the yield on a 10 year is 2.1. One of those two things is wrong or not wrong, but we'll have to adjust, right? Nobody, if for the next 10 years, inflation was going to be seven or 8%, there'd be no market to buy treasury bonds with a 2% yield. You'd be locking in a 5% loss a year, which smart money shouldn't do. Okay. Um, this was like a test balloon by the Fed. They wanted to do a quarter point and see if the market dumped, right? And it didn't. So they'll continue to do this and raise it because the way that you fight inflation is by raising interest rates. Now, in the traditional model, higher interest rates makes it tougher to borrow. Companies don't expand as much and it hurts employment. Our employment's super low. And I would go so far to argue that we focus too much on unemployment beyond its natural level in this country. We have a bigger problem with labor force participation uh, for many reasons, structural reasons. There's our labor force participation rate. The people that are actually in the workforce has gone down. But we're at, what, 3.8% unemployment? Um, you can't go too much lower than that. Because there's such thing as that's not efficient either. There's a thing called the natural level of unemployment, right? People should be changing jobs. People should be unemployed from time to time so that they can move around and move from one thing to the other, right? I don't think a quarter percent or even 2%, because remember, like now we get into the trading advice. You know, I wouldn't completely go hog wild on this yet because, you know, just a couple of years back in the last tightening cycle, interest rates got up to uh, 2.5% or somewhere around there. And we were at the same level of unemployment we are now. So I don't see anything yet suggesting there's a lot of people still looking to hire and stuff like that, that this alone could cause a recession. Um, I would be worried if the inflation, I'm still watching that CPI gets carried away, but I don't think just raising interest rates is something that once again, it's like the financial media complex where uh, hedge funds and stuff and people that go on CNBC, they always want lower rates so they can borrow more money and leverage it up, right? I mean, it's no fun for them when they have to pay more to service their debt, but it doesn't really affect me that much, to be honest. No, and I think that's the thing we got to think of here too, right? Like, yeah, people that are trying to do borrow money for servicing debt, investment, you know, buying more property, things of that nature, you're going to see that affected. You know, the everyday American who owns one, maybe two houses, if they've got a vacation house, right, or a cabin somewhere, you know, you have one house, you're not looking to go out there and borrow these massive chunks of money of a couple hundred grand to pay for your home. You do that once, maybe you refinance a couple times throughout the ownership of that house. If rates come down, or if you're you know, things change, you create equity in the home, yeah. right? You can do little things there. But I think for the most part, it's not it's not going to have this drastic effect, which I think I've seen from a lot of people, a major concern, just like, 
oh man, well now it's going to be more expensive and everything's going to, like you said, it's 25 basis points. It's a quarter percent adjustment. It's not huge yet. It's still very viable to go out and right. borrow money. And uh, like, like it's not a bad just thing. To say why I know we, because most, um, people think about the interest rate through mortgages. We always think of it as a bad thing, but you can see how raising interest rates is puts a damper on things like bubbles, right? Because where bubbles really accelerate is when people borrow cheap money to say, do margin trading or to lever up and stuff like that. And sometimes it's helpful to make that harder to do. Right. Um, so it's not all a bad thing. Now, you as the trader looking forward, I would say look at the uh, the dot plot. So the Fed releases what they think the um, interest rate is going to be going forward. Now, here's your heaping uh, pinch of salt on that. It's always wrong. Okay, so why am I telling you to look at something that's always wrong? It, it's hilarious. You can go online and search for uh, past, they, they layer past Fed dot plots from every meeting across what the actual interest rate is and it's hilariously wrong i have no doubt this one will be wrong too but it's still important because that's what forms the expectations and since markets are all about expectations you're looking from deviations from that so if at the next month meeting right when you see something like if it comes out 0.5 raise instead of 0.25 and this will be influenced just keep an eye on that cpi number that comes out I would steer clear unless you're that that's another one of those things where I would back out because you're going to see a big move off of that that's going to be a little bit confusing I well I'm 99% sure that stocks are going to tank on that but the market will always find a way to make you wrong when you're trying to be smarter than it but that's kind of my thought what, what, right. are, you, what are you kind of looking at Dan as far as signs going forward for you know, I'm going to pay attention to minutes pretty closely, um, the Fed minutes. That's going to be an important one for me. CPI, I don't think there's any question around that. Ideally, we want to start to see CPI month over month uh, tightening up. You know, we're not going to see it year over year as closely but with this change here, but maybe month over month. That's where we'll see a little bit of a change there. If we're seeing a decrease in month over month, that may mean that the Fed's going to be a little bit slower to increase these rates. If we're seeing continued inflation, inflation continue to increase, increase, that's where you got to pay attention in six weeks from now. If CPI, if that inflation's continuing to rise, they may come in and have to do a little bit more drastic move. At that point, that's when you have to take a day like today or a day like yesterday off. The FOMC, when they're coming out with that statement, take the day off. I can promise you as an outright trader, it's a dangerous time to be involved because you're not creating hedged positions. You're not spreading yourself out. Um, you, you know, you're not trading spreads. You're not trading butterflies. You're trading outright futures. It's a difficult place to be in when there is the unknown. When you're waiting for that information that, hey, it could be a quarter percent, it could be zero, or it could be a half percent coming out, that's when you have to be patient. Um, I still strongly recommend any outright trader staying away from those numbers, unless you're trading a market that's not affected, which is a rarity when it comes to FOMC. Fed basically inflicts pain on every market. Um, and you have to be cautious of that. So I'm really going to pay attention to CPI month over month, um, as well as uh, the minutes. Minutes are going to be yeah. Important if you're doing stuff like swing trading too, just make sure. Maybe this is I'm saying maybe it's obvious to a lot of you out there, but just um, 
you know, if you're holding a position for a week or a couple weeks, pay attention to not only where you're getting in, but like where those, where the Fed uh, meeting falls during that too, because that's sort of the big, you're always taking risk when you're holding a position for a longer time, but that's sort of the one spot where I would be kind of worried about this is going to, whatever you're looking at, that's going to be a little, unless you're just purely speculating on the Fed or anything else, more power to you. But if you're just going off of levels or something like, like that, I think that you got to avoid that uh, number. Yeah. I, I don't think it's much of a question and I can go back to like, right when I first started at top step, I, I'll tell you the first month I had been at top step, um, our risk manager was out. I had to fill in for him and my history of trading fed. That was a high volatile time where I came from. And I remember, um, looking at our marketing team at the time and saying, Hey, we need to get an email out. This is a big fed number. I know we're not talking about it. You know, we weren't as vocal, five, six years ago when I first started at Top Step, yeah. like we are now. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have videos. We didn't have a podcast. We would send out random emails. I was like, we got to get an email out ASAP. Like, we need to make sure people aren't trading this. Um, we need to make, make sure people are protected around this because it's such a dangerous number. Um, and that was five, six years ago when it really wasn't as big of a deal. We were kind of, the conversation about raising rates was out there at the time, but it wasn't you know, drastic. It wasn't a major concern where like now it's a little confusing. Uh, like you said, you know, there's a potential. Of, we know that they're going to raise them, but how much are they going to raise them? We're, we got inflation happening, which wasn't a thing five, six years ago. We got a whole lot of other extenuating circumstances now that we didn't have five years ago. And I still remember saying we need to notify everyone to be cautious. Yeah, it, it would make me sleep a lot easier at night. If I, I, me personally, I think that the raising is ultimately a good thing. I'd sleep a lot easier if we could get up to, you know, a 2% Fed funds rate or something like that eventually, just because then you have room to cut. What worries me now is if something were to happen, you know, and you never know what that's going to be. Like none of us knew COVID was going to happen, but we were at, you know, 2.5. What was that? Oh, yeah. oh my God, I'm in twilight zone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only person that knows this. I got to go back in time and tell everyone. <laughs> what year is it, Dan? 2020. Right. Um, yeah, it's March 2020. Oh, yeah, we're at a two-year anniversary in a week of the low of that. Um, but I, uh, we had room to cut the rates if we needed to. It's now you have to get a little bit more if you're already at zero. And that's how recessions can be kind of exas exasperated, um, exaggerated too, is there's nowhere left to cut. So if something were to happen and we needed it, You'd have to get exotic, um, have to start, I don't know, buying stuff up. Paying people to pay people to borrow yeah, money. I, that, that's the thing. I've, I, I think that happened in like Switzerland and stuff like that. I, I think it'd be tough for the United States to go into negative interest rates. Plus, that starts a spiral of you don't, you know, it, it's not good when uh, money is, you know, devaluing like that pretty much. So... I got good credit. I'd be happy to go and get paid to borrow yeah, money. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's sort of the thoughts on that. Just watch the dot plots, watch the CPI numbers, and um, besides that, I think you just kind of got to uh, well, what's it called? You just got to kind of uh, be one with the universe. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, 
it, golf, uh, memory like a goldfish with some of this stuff too, right? Like if you weren't feeling it, if it wasn't there, if you missed the move, don't relish on it, kind of move forward. Uh, we're going to continue to see volatility. I don't think, you know, I think we've been saying this for the last three or four years, like as we approach into summer, which is right around the corner, um, it, you know, 67, 68 degrees here yesterday. Uh, so we got summer kind of around the corner. We always have talked about historically summer is where things quiet up. In the last few years, we've really basically said, don't look, don't expect that. I think the same is going to apply here this year. Don't expect things to slow down. Volatility is going to there. So don't waste uh, what you have um on now because there's going to be continued opportunity down the road so continue to look for it don't feel like you have to be in a fed day um or these major releases cpi jack i think we've both beaten that one um pretty good cpi is the number yeah. to watch these markets are i don't think there's a number out there that's more important than cpi I mean, right these now. last couple of days have sneaky for like stocks just been the biggest rip upward in a long long time i mean that's that's some serious movement here. So I expect the volatility to continue for the foreseeable future, because that's the world we live in. Everyone, uh, just a lot going on. So enjoy the little things, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I guess I'll do the sign off for now, Dan, for everyone out there. Thanks for doing it. Fill out your bracket. Oh, I forgot to say there's prizes too. We're giving out like free combines and stuff like that. So that's something you might be interested in. And even if you're not, hope you have a great St. Patrick's Day. Uh, luck of the Irish to all you. Namaste and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Top Step. Check us out at topstep.com to see our futures trading offerings. Have a good day, everybody.